The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. Welcome to another edition of The Finishing Move. And then there were two, the road dog, Adam Gillespie, yours truly, Nick Cellini, talking about what truly is a historic week in professional, let me start again. Welcome to the finishing move, the road dog, Adam Gillespie, yours truly, Nick Cellini, talking about what truly is a historic week when you think about the world of pro wrestling. Before we get into that, though, we talk about uh, the present day, of course, and we start with AEW. Now, without getting into too much details off the top, Adam, I I don't know after watching this past week on AEW how they're going to top themselves because you want to talk about like three or four pay-per-view worthy moves that were made on that broadcast on Wednesday night. Uh, what do you do the following week to yeah, top it? That's a question I find myself asking a lot about Dynamite. Even like the week they had Shaq come out. And you had Shaq, which you would think is a pay-per-view type of uh, attraction. And they do these they do these great moves, great matches uh, that they then have to come out and top the very next week. And to their credit, so far, they've been able to sustain that. Uh, we'll just see how long it goes. But, yeah, I mean, going through tables and big crashes and arcade and mayhem matches or whatever that was we saw there. At I the don't end. know what it was. There <laughs> it were was. video games set up and there were, uh, you know, air hockey tables. It, it was nuts. Yeah, there was that was a new one. And, and people popping out of the, the claw machine. It was an <laughs> interesting match. But, uh, yeah, it's just something that AEW seems to have the mentality of we're going to put on pay-per-view quality matches and moves every week on Dynamite. So Cody Rhodes uh, faces QT Marshall. Everybody knew the heel turn was coming. He drops Arne Anderson. Next thing you know, Dustin gets opened up, Dustin Rhodes. I, I don't think it was supposed to be quite that severe, the cut. I, I don't think he was supposed to blade quite that much. Yeah, he was gushing. But D- <laughs> Dustin Rhodes is an old-school wrestler. I mean, heck, he was even fired from WCW at one point for blading. So we know that's something that he likes to do, but I agree. I think maybe the blade slipped a little further than it was supposed to or something happened because uh, he was bleeding out of that uh, forehead for sure. Um, it reminds me of a story that Jim Cornette told when he got attacked by the original Midnight Express. It was the first time he ever bladed. And he said, I, I started blading. Nothing was coming out. So I kept cutting myself. And next thing you know, he had the white jacket on. This is years ago. You can watch it on YouTube when he's attacked by, again, Paul E. Dangerously, Paul Heyman in the original Midnight Express. And next thing you know, when, when you're not used to doing it, but you're right, Dustin is. I don't know. Maybe he thought, okay, I'm just going to ride this thing out. But I, I just love when QT pulled Arn Anderson's right arm over the barricade. And then Jim Ross, that's gone. That's gone too far. <laughs> Yeah, hey, give it to him. He's in there getting punches and throwing stuff. Uh, Team Taz is seen backstage. What what's going on with Taz? He he looks like an M M&M. and M. I don't mean to bash anybody's looks, but <laughs> ballooned I ballooned mean, up a I little mean, bit. Do, do something with yourself. Man. That seems to be the trend now. Is you create a faction though, and you have them for just a couple months, uh, and then you break them up. For well, it looks some like reason. there there are some fissures there within yeah, exactly. Team Taz. But I mean, I was thinking about that, and we'll, maybe we'll talk about it, even the hurt business, how they've now kind of broken up, or at least. 
uh, lost a couple members. I, I was thinking, like, the Four Horsemen, now they had people come and go, and that was maybe because Arn and Tolly went to WWF or Flair went to WWF for a while or somebody was uh, injured and out for long terms. But think of how long the Four Horsemen was just a faction, uh, and granted, interchanging parts at times, but really except for totally never coming back into wrestling until now from WWF. That faction really stayed the same for a long time, and I wish we got that more often uh, than, than we do now, and especially some of these factions that are really good. I mean, the writing is fantastic on AEW. When Chris Jericho attacks when MJF, they open that door, yeah. he gives him the swirly <laughs> and then throws him through the Pepsi machine. Yes, yes, yes. And i got to believe that's Chris Jericho coming up with that, too. Yeah. I mean, he is so creative. And uh, he drinks and that, the uh, the champagne bottle. This yeah. is our dressing room. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's you're right, Jericho, the veteran. I, I think they have freedom now. I think that's the problem, and we keep – I know we, we rail on the WWE every week, but I, I think that's the biggest difference. I think there's a plan, there's an outline of what they want to do, but they have – freedom to kind of venture outside of that as the matches and the performances are going on where they don't have that anymore in the WWE. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's the way I see it. Uh, Maybe we are both wrong because I completely agree with you because all you hear about, and I don't think we're wrong about this because you hear reports, WWE is pretty much all scripted from beginning to end. There is very little um, ad-libbing, and there are very few wrestlers that have the ability to go out there or the permission to go out there and ad-lib, whereas AEW... It is more of a loose base where you're going out there and you're doing your own promos, and sometimes they do fall flat on their face, I say, uh, for a couple of them. But I think the majority of them are really good in that freedom and that ability to um, do your own creative, I think, gives you that extra push to really make it good and sell it better. I mean, I started laughing. You talk about that last match, Arcade Anarchy. Then you got a white van drive up. It's Trent's mom. It's hey, the, Sue. Sue. <laughs> Everybody yes. say hello to Sue. So we've it's met just Sue so before. bizarre. We've met Sue before. It was before you started watching AEW. Yeah. But yeah, it's just out of left field with some <laughs> of the stuff that they do. It's but it's fun and it's and it's and it makes it enjoyable to watch. The uh, power slam through the stage at the end of that match. So yeah, there were a lot of great things going on. And then you know you got Raw and you got Bobby Lashley again, and then you got I mean John and I talked about this big John last week. I said, are, are we going to see the breakup of the Hurt Business. He didn't think it would happen, and lo and behold, uh, it did. Yeah, well, you called it, and, and it's unfortunate, like I said. It, it, now, with what happened at the end of the show with King Corbin coming out, uh, maybe it's just replacing members, or maybe it's a whole big swerve in the end anyways, and, and, and it's on or some Or maybe they level. just don't know. Yeah, They're flying or, by the seat of their pants, I, I would, which I, has happened before. I would definitely give that a high percentage of, of that being the case. Um, but, yeah, I, I really enjoyed what the Hurt Business was doing. I thought they were being successful, especially when you had the tag belts um, in there and you have now Bobby as a world champion and MVP is a good mouthpiece. Uh, I, you know, I hate to see it break up. Uh, we'll see what the next weeks hold uh, for the Hurt Business, but it's unfortunate if it is the end of what we've known as the Hurt Business. So it looks like also, based on what we saw on Raw on Monday, Sheamus is going to face Riddle in WrestleMania um, that's coming up in a week, a two-night event. It's going to be at WrestleMania this year, Saturday and Sunday. We finally saw an edge from the Riddle character at the end of that match as he throws Sheamus out of the ring. Now, I think that guy should be a heel. I, I think you'd be better served as a heel where you're a bro, but you can flip that switch and switch, snap. Yeah. 
at any second, like Chris Jericho used to do when he first when he first became a heel way back in his WCW days. He would have these temper tantrums and then apologize and then have another temper tantrum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I would, I would love to see Riddle go down that road and explore his that character for him and persona. And I think it would be great. Uh, I think he would be able to do it very well. Uh, but you know, it seems like every week we talk about this person would be better as a heel. This person's better, but you got to have some faces out there. No, you do. You got to have you, the, you got to have the good guys and the bad guys, and there's got to be a good mix. Uh, and right now, we're just seeing Riddle as a as the good guy, and it's kind of goofy at times. I you know going around on the scooter and and whatever that is with Oscar that he's doing backstage at times, but. Uh, it's enjoyable, and we'll just see see where it goes. See, I think Bobby Lashley, he's he's a good heel, but you want to talk about the world needing faces. I think he'd be a good face. He, he's he, been a face for so long. Yeah. I, I think they he, were just ready to turn him, and, yeah. and he is doing well as a heel champion, I think, too. But he's well-spoken. I, I think a guy like that, you're, I think your faces have to be able to tell a story, and I, I think Lashley has the ability to do that, yeah. but but then again, I, I think he's talented either well, that's, way. Well, that's what kind of what we grew up on. You know, in the eighties, it seemed like every heel had a manager because right. that that's who they would. It, they can't speak. They can't speak. Yeah, Bobby they, can speak. Yeah, he he has good promo skills, and that's why I think Roman is so much better as a heel. Oh, no doubt, because he was not good at delivering those promos, nope. no matter what he wants to say and tell you that he was good at it as a face. Uh, and now with Paul Heyman. Uh, speaking for him, I mean, who wouldn't want the Paul Heyman speaking for him? Yeah, that's a, a match made in heaven. We'll see what happens uh, during WrestleMania with that three-way with Daniel Bryan and um, Roman Reigns and, and Edge. Braun Strowman's going to fight uh, Shane McMahon in the steel cage. Woo-hoo. Yeah, we've been calling this for like weeks yeah. now or months uh, now. <laughs> awesome. I can't wait. <laughs> we'll see how it turns out. Yeah, It's, it's again, it's just that thing where, where – um, Shane McMahon picks an opponent and then comes up with a dangerous, you know, fall or stunt to pull, and it's obviously going to be something off the top of the cage. This and we year. know that Randy Orton is going to go against the Fiend, and uh, Alexa Bliss comes out and says the Legend Killer is going to die at WrestleMania. Uh, very good. Can we just end this? Well, I'm ready kill to the get angle. There. That's what I want to die. The angle. Yeah. Hopefully we only have a couple more weeks of it. Uh, we can't just burn the angle right now to death, but we'll see. And no I, hope we move on. I hope we move on uh, from this angle as well, just like you, after once we get past this match at WrestleMania. And uh, Rhea Ripley, I would imagine, is going to be the champ. I would imagine oh, yeah. Asuka's going to do the honors. Okay. All right. Well, that's a good call. I would I would not have guessed that, but I'll, I'll, see, I'll say Asuka. Uh, comes out the champion there, but uh, I think it's going to be a good match. So both of those ladies and Rhea got a big push yeah. in NXT, uh, and obviously comes out in the very first night. She's allowed or scripted to challenge for what the is she? women's. Is she a champion. face or a heel? I'm she's confused. a good. She's a good. Uh, she's a face because she hits Oscar with the table. That's why I, yeah, I, I know she. She's a, been a face. Uh, maybe she's one of those tweener types, but yeah. she's a fan favorite. I'll okay. put it that way. All right, so let's talk about some of the big events that have happened in wrestling history this week. 36 years ago this week, WrestleMania, the first one, the granddaddy of them all happens at Madison Square Garden. I mean, if you read up on this, 19,000 show up, 398,000 homes watched on closed-circuit television. This is before the days of pay-per-view. Vince McMahon 
put it all on the line. If this yep. doesn't work, they're probably going out of business. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's a documentary. It may be a bit, well, I don't know if it's transferred over to Peacock or if it was on the WWE Network before. They've sanitized a lot of things yes, from they what have. I understand, Peacock. <laughs> and they're still in the process of doing it. Uh, but it talks about leading up to this first WrestleMania, and, and basically it was a go-home or, or bust for Vince McMahon with all he was putting on the line for it. And, like, and you're talking about closed circuit. I think there's a portion of our audience who doesn't even understand what that means. It does. It means you you weren't sitting at home watching it. You went to a local theater or went and they ordered it and you watched it with the you know everybody else. Uh, it would be like going to I don't know the Roxy and yeah. watching something on a big screen. Sure. There. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly what it would be. Uh, was uh, back then. Yeah. It's amazing what he did and he pulled it off. And look at where all these years later, WrestleMania is still going strong and is considered the the granddaddy of them all. Yeah. You look at some of the matches. Oof. Not so good. David Sammartino and Brutus Beefcake fighting to a double countout. <laughs> King Kong Bundy and Special Delivery Jones. The, the quickest WrestleMania match ever. They, what is it? It was seven seconds, even though it was actually longer than that. Yeah, and, and Bundy had the five count, so you know there was at least five seconds. <laughs> yeah. Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheik with Freddie Blassie beat the U.S. Express, Mike Rotundo and Barry Windham to win the uh, Tag Team Championship. Andre the Giant, who was a face at the time, Beats Big John Studd, who he hated, I guess, in yeah, real life. Yeah, he did not like other big men. In a, a body slam match. What did George the Animal steal? If you go on uh, YouTube, one of the shoot interviews that George did prior to his passing, obviously, he said he didn't like Big John Studd because he told Big John Studd, you don't come over top rope. One giant come over top <laughs> rope. And Big John Studd didn't listen. Yep, yep. He did, he did that big step. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, it, it, I, this this WrestleMania all came down to. I mean, Andre the Giant was always the an attraction, but it came down to Hulk Hogan and yeah. Mr. T going up against Piper and Orndorff. Yeah, I mean, that whole, was the attraction. Yeah, the whole rock and wrestling connection. Hogan and Mr. T defeat Roddy Piper and Paul Orndorff. Um, Ace Orton, I think, accidentally hits Paul Orndorff with the cast, and Paul Orndorff gets pinned. Roddy Piper told many an interesting story. They wanted him to lose, but. He thought it would kill his character if he lost. It is these old school guys, guys like Roddy Piper and guys like Bret Hart. They they didn't want to lose. They never wanted to be pinned. But what's or this so going to do from What's this going to do for my character? Exactly. If if you're a heel, you just come out and tell the same story week after week. Aaron Anderson talks about it all the time on his podcast. If you're a chicken shit heel, you come back and you tell the same story every week. You act like you never lost. Tully yeah. Blanchard says the same thing. He did that I quit match. I mean, he quit. Yeah. against Magnum TA. That never hurt him. And that's another big thing is that uh, even well, you even see this with faces, though, not saying, uh, not wanting to ever submit. Right. Roman Reigns is kind of going through that phase right now where he doesn't want to uh, admit that he would ever give up or quit in a match. And, and, and Vince has booked people that way as well over the years. I don't ever remember Austin uh, quitting. I mean, though he had an I quit match with Bret Hart. He passed out. And he passed out. And, that, and that's kind of what Roman did, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago at Fastlane. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I've never felt that, especially for a heel, uh, being pinned or losing is hurting you. No, because you come out and you tell the same story, or you come up with you come an up excuse. with an excuse. Yeah, there always is one. Thirty-four years ago this week, it's WrestleMania three. 
at the Pontiac Silverdome. This was the boom of the first go-around when you talk about the wrestling boom. There were two booms. It was this and then the 90s. in the late 90s when the NWO came into play. And ironically, both of those angles involve the Babe Ruth of wrestling. Exactly. Brother. Why he is the GOAT. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> For some strange reason. The man can't wrestle, but he can draw a crowd. 93,173. Now, again, I, I don't know how legitimate that number is. <laughs> It's wrestling. You could take a lot of liberties in wrestling, but but they say it was a North American indoor live event record, that WrestleMania three inside of the Pontiac Silverdome. Yeah, there's a lot of people crammed in there. Yeah, I, you know, yeah, I agree. I don't know if somebody was sitting there counting heads or they took all the tickets in the back and counted them out one by one at the end of the night. But when you watch WrestleMania three on on the Peacock Network, uh, there's a lot of people crammed into that building. There were some pretty amazing matches. First of all, you had, this is something that could never, ever in a billion years happen today. King Kong Bundy and his professional wrestling team, it's a mixed tag team match of Lord Littlebrook and Little Tokyo, take on Hillbilly Jim, Little Beaver, (laughs) and the Haiti Kid. Now, the stipulation was King Kong Bundy couldn't get in there with some of the smaller wrestlers. Well, Little Beaver allegedly attacks Bundy, and he does it one too many times during the match, and Bundy finally turns on Little Beaver. you got to see the video of this. I mean, it's it's abuse is what it is. It's a big, big dude going up against a shorter person. Yeah, it's Little Beaver who's, you know, the size of my 10-year-old, and he gets a body slam from King Kong Bundy who's, I don't know, 6'2", 400 pounds, and then he drops an elbow across the chest of Little Beaver. I mean that again. It's it's funny to watch, but it's it's not really uh, something you could do today. Arguably on this card, we'll talk about Andre and Hogan in just a second. Arguably on this card, it's the greatest match in the history of professional wrestling. Some would say, sixteen minutes long, and it's the champion, Intercontinental Heavyweight Champion Randy Macho Man Savage taking on Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Miss Elizabeth is in the corner of the Macho Man. George the Animal Steel is in the corner of Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. All of a sudden, he's a face. But you want to talk about, watch this match if you get a chance. They don't stop. 15, 16, 17 minutes. It is non-stop between these two. Yeah, look, I've already admitted on this podcast and in multiples before that I am a mark for Hogan. But when you look at this card, this is the match that stole the show. Uh, Now, now, Hogan and Andre was big for a different reason. This one, technically-wise, was a great match. And Ricky Steamboat, you know, it's he it was just a great wrestler. I mean, he had this match on WrestleMania three. He had the best out of three with Ric Flair that they did around the country in WCW. Uh, he was a great technical. Flair, Flair loves Steamboat. Yeah, loves I mean, he is just a great technical wrestler that, for whatever reason, just doesn't get the due maybe or flew under the radar. Or he was one of those guys that took was, off. You know, when when you wrestle, you're either a face or a heel. You go back and forth. Ricky no, he Steamboat, was a face. Yeah, he never. He's talked about it. Yeah. He's never been a heel, or he, if he hasn't been by now, he's not going to be. He's <laughs> yeah, never, I think it's too late yeah, for that. Was never yeah, a heel his entire career. Uh, it, it, you know, th- there's another podcast out there that likes to say, if you're going to go watch one match, watch this one. Well, this is the match that you watch on WrestleMania three, even again over Hogan and Andre, because that was big and important for different reasons. But if you're looking for a technically wrestled match, uh, this one was awesome. Yeah, Steamboat uh, gets the win and captures the Intercontinental Heavyweight Champion. And like we said, George the Animal Steel is somehow some way a face during this time. And like we said as well, this is considered by many to be the best match in the history 
of professional wrestling. The main event, this isn't. If you watch this match, it's I don't know what it is. I mean, I, I have Look, no earthly idea what's going on here. In retrospect, you understand yes. why it was done this way. Andre had in serious condition. back inj- injuries over the course of his life, never mind his career, could barely stand up. He has to take a, um, a cart of some sort into the ring, and, and as he and Bobby the Brain Heenan are taking the cart into the ring, they're getting pelted with rocks and garbage, seemingly. Hogan walks into the ring, oh, the huge <laughs> ovation as he you know tears off his shirt and, and screams, and he, um, he hulks up, and he eventually, after trying early in the match to slam him, he eventually hulks up and slams Andre the Giant. God rest his soul. <laughs> yeah, and drops the drops the leg to get the win, the one two three, and retains the championship. Look, I mean, it was just it was in the later parts, obviously, of Andre's career. You weren't going to get young, Andre. No, Andre's and, offense in this match consisted of headbutts, headbutts and choking and a bear hug. But yeah, exactly. And, and no, it wasn't the first time that Andre had ever been slammed. But it was the Hogan first, slammed him. Hogan has slammed ago. before. Yeah, exactly. Hogan had, and Harley Race had slammed him out on the bat out outside of the ring before. There's a big, uh, a famous video of that. Yeah, I get it. But it just was the giant versus the immortal one and the you know what they love to do in the wrestling passing the torch from one generation to the next we saw hogan do that later on down the road with the rock at a wrestlemania he actually did it with the ultimate warrior well he tried (laughs) it didn't the uh it fizzled out pretty quickly (laughs) after that uh yeah you're right but yeah you're right they did try to hand it there um, but this was a big one. And, and like even before, I think we've talked about that here before, Hogan says he didn't even know if Andre was going to do the job or not until it basically had happened. Yeah, Andre was kayfabing him yes. all day long. Andre liked to do that to people. He wasn't going to admit that he was going to do it until the last second. I said, brother, what are we going to do here? Slab. He called for the slam. <laughs> and, and he actually, you know, let him pin him at that point. So 32 years ago today in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, Sting defeats Mike Rotunda to capture the NWA World Television Championship. And get this, Adam, $10,000. Wow, good for Don't him. Don't spend that all in one place. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. Times have changed. Mike Rotunda, man. IRS, yep. later became, as we later learned to know him. But yeah, that's... Uh, and the father of Bray Wyatt. That's right, Bray and, and Bo Wallace. Uh, so yeah, and uh, it's a... It's, Wonderful match. <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite memory of that match? I don't have one. I don't have one. <laughs> yeah. Let's stay one. 25 years ago this week, WrestleMania 12 takes place at the Arrowhead Pond in Anaheim, California. 18,000, just under 19,000, in fact, uh, in attendance. 290,000 watching on pay-per-view down from the 340,000 from WrestleMania 11. Stone Cold Steve Austin beats Savio Vega. And there he is, the ultimate warrior. I have no recollection of this. Defeating Hunter Hearst Helmsley. He wasn't Triple H at the time. The Undertaker beats Diesel. This is when Diesel was on his way out. Way Everybody out to the NWO, yeah. what was coming at or this WCW. point. And then this is also where Roddy Piper... Now, Goldust was supposed to take on Scott Hall, a.k.a. Razor, Razor Ramon. Ramon, but Razor Ramon leaves and goes down to WCW, so... Roddy Piper has to step in and wrestle Goldust, and it's the match where they have included, interspliced, if you will, video of the OJ chase. It's a Hollywood backlot brawl. No contest is what it comes down to. Oh. Yeah. 
this, this is painful. <laughs> for me, this was the match that I remember. I mean, the Ultimate Warrior one, that was his big return at the time. This was his first match against uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley at the time for this return into WWF. Kind of fizzled out. Yeah, but this backlot brawl is what I remember from this WrestleMania, even more so than the Iron Man match, which I'm just not a fan of those styles of matches that we'll talk about in a moment, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but it, I mean, Piper in the in the OJ with the Bronco going down the highway and then then pulling up, and and they had filmed the majority of that match uh, earlier in the week, and when they then the wrestlers make their way to the ring, and Piper had hurt himself, I believe, uh, in the taping of the right. match, and he had to come out and, and, and keep it all consistent. It was really interesting, but I enjoyed that match personally from from my standpoint. Well, I like the Goldust character. I, I thought they should have pushed the envelope more and more. And <laughs> I don't more. know how they could have pushed I, it more at times. I mean, with the Attitude Era, I think he was a little bit ahead of his time because I think yes, if that character came that, in sure. when the Attitude Era was at its peak, who knows what... Dustin Rhodes could have done with that character. Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart, like you said. Um, Shawn Michaels defeats Bret Hart one zip in a one-hour Iron Man <laughs> match. So refresh my memory here. No matter what, it was going to go an hour. Yeah, it had to go an hour. They had no winner at the end of the hour. Right. So technically, Shawn's win came in overtime. Right. Sudden Gorilla death. Gorilla Monsoon yeah. comes down and orders sudden death. Yeah. So, yeah, and he reversed uh, – he re- I think he reverses the sharpshooter, and, and Brett had to tap out to his own maneuver there. Um, but, yeah, it was uh, – I'm just not a fan of that, the hour-long matches the, like that in that form. Unless it's like Ric Flair coming out in the, the – Broadways. Uh, yeah. yeah. Or one of those Royal Rumble matches when he came out early and lasted the whole time. Oh, yeah, yeah the Royal Rumble, because you expect the length, yeah, for yeah. sure. He went over – have you seen that, the Broken Skull sessions when he goes over the Royal Rumble match with Stone Cold? Oh, I haven't seen and that Austin's one. Austin's just laughing. He said, this is – this stuff is some classic stuff. Flair's doing the, you know, the, the flat face fall. Oh, yeah. And Flair's like, look, you know, you got to provide entertainment. He said, no, <laughs> he goes, I get it. This is, this is classic stuff. 18 years ago, Raw comes to you from Seattle, Washington, and the show opens with the firing of Stone Cold Steve Austin by then-GM Eric Bischoff on medical grounds. Now – this is kind of like, I don't know, reality and fiction getting mixed together because he was actually hospitalized um, before WrestleMania with an anxiety attack. He had spine issues, and, and I think he really did leave at some point because of that. He would come back countless times. The show ends with Bill Goldberg making his WWE debut. In his first act, he said The Rock was next. next. You're next. Yeah. That those those raw after I I enjoy the raw after manias. There there are a lot of big uh, time uh, appearances and reappearances. That's why I'm I'm hoping that we get Becky Lynch to come back at this year's. I would imagine raw after mania. I don't. Uh, I think it. I think the timeline where she since her the birth of her child with Seth um, is is allowing her to come back, or maybe a Ronda Rousey return. But I think Becky's more likely. Um, so I'm hoping that that's what we get at this year's. But, yeah, the Raw After Mania is one that you usually don't want to miss. No. Also, 13 years ago this week, Ric Flair reunites with the Four Horsemen members, Tully Blanchard, J.J. Dillon, Arn Anderson, and Barry Windham. And his farewell address on Raw from Orlando would be the first and only televised reunion until exactly four years later when the group went into the WWE Hall of Fame. Now, I got two questions here. When it comes to the Horsemen and the Hall of Fame, why no Ole Anderson and why no Lex Luger? 
Well, Lex isn't even in on in, in on himself, so that's interesting to watch play out. I don't know if he'll ever. I know Ole hates everybody, including everybody, especially Ric Flair and the Four Horsemen. But I, I don't. I think that goes both ways because when you hear podcasts, you don't very hear very yeah. many glowing uh, thoughts about Ole either. I know Jim Ross uh, loves to say he was just a uh, you know a cranky cranky old guy. Yeah, even back then, uh, and cheap apparently too is what they all uh, call him. But yeah, I don't know. And and, and uh, we've talked about this before. Even uh, Tolly, um, Tolly Blanchard. Uh, you know, I was surprised that he got put in there because uh, Tolly tells a story that at the Hall of Fame induction, Vince told him one of y'all will never be back here again, and he's the only one. And yeah. Tolly says he was talking about me because I'm the only one that's never been back. So there's some animosity towards that group or the members of it for whatever reason that was built up. I wonder if when it comes to Luger, if it was how. You know, that kind of kicked off Nitro and the war between the two where Luger kind of just showed up over there. And Luger never really lived up to the hope that they had for him in WWF either. I just remember seeing him. I was in college at the time. The first time I saw him, I was like, who is this guy? He looked like something uh, back then. Nobody looked like that. Yeah, yeah. it was amazing. Nobody was 300 pounds and had a six-pack. Now you see that a lot more with the designer steroids that are out there, but especially in the world of pro wrestling, even a guy like Hogan, if you look at the way he was built, he didn't look like that. He never had that body. No. No, not at all. Not that chiseled, and and that was his whole thing was, you know, workout vitamins and all that stuff. So, yeah, that was just the Adonis. No, not the Adonis. um, I can't remember what it was, but it would and then he went to the um, WBF mm-hmm. uh, with Vince. He's the total pack. Yeah, I mean, he had it all. And I, I love when they attacked Ole Anderson. You you could just see how raw Lex was because he was, like, putting boots to Ole. He wasn't even touching him. <laughs> <laughs> just kicking him and screaming, not not even touching oh, him. But boy. he had to go uh, his own way. And they, they said it was tough because they had to – Arn Anderson's talked about it. they got to yeah, work around a guy like that who is so limited with what he can do. And it, it's tough. For these guys to try to make somebody like that night after night after night look good. It's not easy. Well, that's why you can't have him in there night after night after night. And that's why you don't see Brock Lesnar doing that type of schedule when he was wrestling. Mm -hmm. Or even The Undertaker now, uh, in his later years, I know now technically he's retired. um, But it's just when you can't go and you don't have the move set. Uh, even a Braun Strowman, I would argue, doesn't have a, a, a long list of moves that he can do. Um, so, you know, it's kind of just brood, brutal uh, brutality that when he comes into the ring. Well, that's what made, I think, a guy like The Undertaker so great. If you listen to Shawn Michaels talk about that match that he had, he's, even Kurt Angle, he said, a guy like that is not supposed to be able to do some of the things. Yeah. And, and, and then, even, I can't remember who The Undertaker was talking to. I think it was Bret Hart. He said, I'm glad I get to work with you because I can show that I can do a lot more. But you need that other guy yes were you know that dance partner as we like exactly. to say that can bring that out in you or at least afford you that opportunity yeah and back in those days the undertaker could do those and i'm talking about the later years of undertaker where he oh, was yeah. only really a year to uh appearing once or two a year for the big paydays uh but yeah i i, I completely agree that's why the big matches never seem like i remember um the Sid Justice versus Kevin Nash of who the master of the power bomb. I mean, it just wasn't going to work because they needed the smaller guy to bump for them, right. uh, and that's not what either of them could do for the other. So it just the matches like that they look good on the marquee, but they never pay off. In that's the, why I'm not. If you look ahead to WrestleMania, I'm not sure how this whole match, this three way dance, is going to go with Edge and, and Daniel Bryan and, and Roman Reigns. I mean, 
I don't like these kind of matches. I don't like three-way matches. It's it's well, too much. Well, Arn has said that those matches are. I think it was Arn or one of the podcasts. They they've said uh, it's just a hard match to to map out because yeah. of uh, because of uh, limitations. Yeah, and who knows what you know they're going to be able to do in, in this match as far as storytelling and, and is Roman Reigns going to make off with the belt again or or does Vince give Edge one last chance one last to run? Yeah. Or even Daniel Bryan, potentially. But, yeah, I think if someone was going to walk out of there other than Roman, I think it's Edge. Um, But, yeah, I agree. We'll see how it plays out. All right. So next week we'll talk more about WrestleMania. We'll talk more about some of the things that happened uh, this week in wrestling history. It is interesting, though. It's WrestleMania season, and two of the biggest WrestleManias this week did happen, WrestleMania 1 and WrestleMania 3. You want to talk about changing the business. But just imagine if that WrestleMania 1 never took off. We would be... We would be without this podcast right now, most likely. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Probably. I wonder if it would still be a, a heavy territory type thing, or if someone else would have come along by then. But uh, it's interesting to think. I mean, you, you got to give Vince McMahon credit for where we are today. We wouldn't be here without yeah, him, it's him weird. taking chances. I, and again, I don't know what's true and what's not anymore. You hear so many different stories about Vince McMahon, but I I had heard this fairly recently about Vince McMahon. He was willing to work. With other promoters, he said, "You know, bring in your talent here, and you know, let me rent them, and I'll I'll bring you some guys." But a lot of the promoters were so threatened by Vince McMahon, or at least didn't get what he was trying to do. They said, "No, we'll go it on our own." They they didn't believe he could actually take over, and at that point, it angered him so much that he said, "Okay, now I'm going to put you all out of business." Well, he did, and you can you can look. Um, I think it's I guess it's Arnt or a lot of the Arnt's podcasts where they talk about how. Uh, WCW or NWA would try to do something, and and he would just, and Vince he would just counter what yeah. they're doing. Whether it's putting another pay per view and telling the cable companies if you take their pay per view over our pay per view, we'll never give you another one of our WWF pay per views. I mean, it, so he definitely had that vindictive uh, streak in him and could and could come after you. But I think another with Paul Bosch, he used to work with down in uh, Mid South. Yeah. So it's interesting. All right, well, listen, we'll talk more WrestleMania next week. want to thank everybody for listening to uh, The Finishing Move. Like and subscribe and download, or we will come to your house naked. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacy's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. 
And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. Camp Margaritaville RV Resort, where you can just breathe in and breathe out. (sighs) Or move. There's biking, boating, arcade games, hiking, nearby golfing. Or fly through the new Fins Up Water Park. Thrills, chills, twists, and turns. This could be you. Camp Margaritaville at Lanier Islands. An easy one-hour drive from Atlanta. Book your stay today at CampMargaritavilleLanierIslands.com.